0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome to the Walk Report podcast in association with the Sutherland Community Soup Kitchen. As we join you once again before we uh go into the weekend's game against Birmingham City at home on the back of a goalless draw. Um a frustrating goalless draw maybe. I don't know if you if you listen to uh me and Gav Waffle after the game. Um you'll have seen out heard our side of the the coin on that game. And if you think uh, Gav isn't with us this week, he is. <laughs> He's right here waiting waiting to come in. How's it going, Gav?
0: I'm all right mate. How are you? It's weird being this side of the desk, but we're changing it up for the previews, aren't we? We're gonna have a have a go at this. Yes. Cause you see you're the match preview guy on the site. You're the one <laughs> with all the facts and the stats and all the rest of it. And I'm the one who just sort of turns up half cocked, not really knowing what to go what to say, what to do. So yeah, it's an experiment.
1: Well that's it. We'll see how it goes. And I've got all the questions. So you haven't got a clue what I'm gonna throw at you. Um, I might throw a few <laughs> curveballs at you. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But yes, so it is uh, Birmingham City at home, and mm-hmm. it's an early kickoff. And I, I don't know about you. I'm not a fan of early kickoffs. I just don't like them.
0: No, because it means I've got to go to the pub earlier, and uh, <laughs> it, you know, there's something, there's something that doesn't feel quite right about having a pint at half ten in the morning. But uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of them, if I'm honest, because well, it just spoils your day a little bit if you get beat. You know, if you don't win or you yeah. don't get a positive result. It's still early days when you're walking out the stadium and you've got to you know mope around for the next couple of hours. But uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of them, and um, it feels like we've just had nearly every kickoff messed around with this year, doesn't it? I mean, particularly the home ones. Things like we've been half five kickoffs, four o'clock kickoffs, kicking off on a Friday night, bloody barely played three o'clock on a Saturday at, at the stadium. Of Life. I think I looked. It was we, we had the one against um, Southampton, which I missed because I was at a wedding. And uh, the next one wasn't till just the other week. There, you know, we had, we had, we had, we had, we had only two two months or something for a, for another three o'clock Saturday kickoff. So, yeah, not a fan. But um, because we're massive, Sky love us, and uh, yeah, we just get hired on whatever whenever they need somebody yeah.
1: to fill a slot. Well, that's the thing. I mean, look, we'll get into it like, in in a minute. But uh, you know, hopefully, when when we look into it, we'll be expecting a win. But it is that thing though, especially the early kickoff on a Saturday. Because there's so much football for the rest of the weekend, mm. and if we get beat in that kind of first game of the weekend, you just don't want to watch any football for the rest of it.
0: Correct. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. Even when we, if we don't get a good result, I avoid everything. But if we win, I'm watching the highlights twenty times. Every clip on Twitter, every clip on YouTube. I'm watching match of the day, I'm watching the championship highlights, I then watch it again the next morning. I can't get enough of football when we get a good result. Um, but I've got no interest in what else goes on the rest of the weekend, and yeah, it kind of spoils it, doesn't it? So right. let's just cross everything and hope we get something uh, positive, and then yes. I'll enjoy all of the football this weekend.
1: Yes, well, I've been looking into it, and hopefully, uh, it, you know, I reckon we'll, we'll have a pretty uh, positive conversation when I've been uh, look, looking at Birmingham. But like I said, Birmingham City at home, and. I mean, I don't know what you just think when you just think about Birmingham City as a club. Because when I was young, Birmingham City were crap. They were always in the bottom two divisions. They were always struggling a little bit. Then they had that kind of long period and a, you know, decent stint in the in the Premier League. You know, they were kind of bobbing about for three or four seasons and they were kind of up and down a little bit. They obviously they won the League Cup. Um, they had a stint in the Europa League, but. I don't know that they just seem you know that you're looking at that it's their thirteenth season in the championship and we've talked before about some of these clubs who just seem stuck in a rut mm. and for the last five last five seasons or or even longer than that I'm looking at now I'm looking at what, three four five something like six or seven seasons they've never finished above seventeenth bloody hell I mean that's crap isn't it and yeah you, it you just feel like there's so many clubs in this division who seem to be stuck in that same rut just in a cycle in the championship.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen something uh, and I might be wrong, someone can call us out on this if I am wrong, but I've seen something not long ago. Um, I'm sure Birmingham have spent more time in the same division than any other club has now in the AFL. Might be wrong Mm. about that. Uh, But yeah, I think you said 13 seasons there so it probably tallies up. But I don't know if it tells the full story because obviously they've had a bit of change off the pitch. They've had new ownership come in. Um, Obviously, the one the one that everyone will remember is Tom Brady's came in as a sort of minority stakeholder. The the famous uh is he an NFL player? Shows shows how little sports he was. A, yeah. He
1: was a quarterback,
0: was not he? Yeah, apparently I the best know. ever, but I wouldn't have a clue because the <laughs> Americans <not>. the <laughs> Americans are world champions at they all of their own sports and I don't care about any of them. Um <laughs> but yeah, I know that he's famous and lost some money doing that. So, you know, that got a bit of positivity initially and um, you know, it was the start of the season really well, didn't they? So you, you were thinking, oh, this is them on a resurgence, but yeah, Birmingham just not a, a big player ever really in my time supporting Son. they did push us that year when we were in the championship under Keen, didn't they? I think that went right to the final day. We were banking on them losing, uh, I think the Preston, I might be wrong, but I feel like that went down to the final day when we beat Luton 5 0 to win the championship. It was us or them, and Steve Bruce was the manager. Um, but other than that, well, nah.
1: Second, didn't it? They? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's it. am sure it was between the two of us going down to the final day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just a club, and, and Birmingham fans will probably hate saying this if they're listening. But just a club sort of sat in the shadow of Aston Villa, really. Um, you know, being from the same city, and you know, when I think of Villa, I always think of them sort of that John Gregory era, then Martin O'Neill finishing top end of the Premier League, and spending money on big, big name players and things like that. And then when it comes to Birmingham, I just kind of remember Steve Bruce and it depresses us a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> although they did win the League Cup, didn't they? Uh, what was that? Yeah. 2009, 2010 around then? when With yeah. uh, with Craig Gardner and Seb Larson in the team. Um, and then they both went on to sign for us. So yeah, just a, a funny club, Birmingham. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't ever, I don't they sort of feel like a Coventry or a Redden or a, you know what I mean, like you described, just a club who've not really amounted to much over the years. And um, when you look at it, other, they get decent crowds. They've got, they've got, you know, there's a, there's a bit of history there. And St Andrews is one of the old grounds that's still going, that still holds quite a few fans. So I just, I just think they're probably about where they should be. And if they somehow in the next couple of years challenge at the top end of the championship. It's gonna be because these owners chuck money at it, isn't it? It's not because of any sort of deep rooted philosophy on football or, or anything like that. Cause like you say they've been stuck in the mud for a long time.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't mind St Andrews actually. It's one of the older grounds at the least with a little bit of character left low, It all. Takes ages snummy. to get there. That's
0: all I remember. Aye. Being there. I went I was there when um I think it was when Chris Coleman was manager. And I always remember Kazenga Lualawa played and we got beat 3 1. It was like a midweek. And that was a depressing drive back because I, I don't think I got back in the house till two or three in the morning. Then I had to go to work the yeah. next day, and I think I've avoided the place since.
1: Yeah, it is one of them. It's it's always a rough day out. Um, I remember getting chased back under the coach in the in the nineties, <laughs> but uh, but that's another story altogether. Yeah, for the last um, I was looking like, for the last eleven seasons. Right, the highest the finished is tenth in the table. Now, if you like, you think about that—eleven years, and the highest you finished is tenth. In the table i mean i know i know it was rough being in league one for four years but at least for those four years we won most of the games yeah i mean it's it's big it, it just sounds like a slog you know 11 years and like the, the all you've got to show for it is two 10th place finishes
0: and you know jude bellingham <laughs> just oh, about yeah,
1: it, it. A, you know well um, and re- you retire the shirt because he's yeah so- <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i mean I, f- I feel like you know we're probably we might sound like we have been a little bit disrespectful, but it's it is the fact of it. I know you mentioned there about you know, the fact when we were in League One, it was at least you're winning games. I, I kind of I know I'm getting away from it a little bit, but I kind of feel like that about when we talk about the Premier League. I'm sort of like I quite like winning games of football. I don't really want to be in a division where we don't do do very much. So, yeah, Birmingham just kind of look like they're, they're due a change in fortunes, I guess, which is what makes us. I mean, we're going to get onto it, I presume, but yeah. makes everything seem so weird about the way they started the season and then decided to change direction because actually for a stint there, they look like a team who could possibly challenge um, for, the, for the playoffs even. And look at them now, they're sort of plumping back down the table and they might, they might come back up, but um, yeah. they're a weird club.
1: Yeah well well let's get into that because obviously you, you mentioned earlier on um kind of about that the obviously the Wayne Rooney effect because that's going to that's going to be, be a part of it it's going to be weird to see him on the sidelines as a manager at the, the stadium alight mm. but yeah you're right i mean so they changed manager after a 3-1 win against West Bromwich Albion october the 6th that that game was um, and before that, they had a four-one win against Huddersfield. And after those two wins, John Eustace was sacked. But I was looking before that, before those two wins. I mean that that took them up to sixth. But before, before those two wins, like you say against West Brom and Huddersfield, um, they went five without a win before that. They'd lost three and drawn two of the five prior to those two, so they weren't on like a, a you know fantastic run. Um, but they were doing well, you know, sixth in the league, and they they finished what they finished way down, you know, in seventeenth last season. So it was already an improvement. But it was obvious. You've already mentioned the new ownership. He, the guy who owns it, is American. Um, like I said that Tom Brady's involved. It didn't take a genius that when Wayne Rooney left uh, DC United as manager, that uh, he was he was saying, oh yeah, well if any. If any vacancies crop up and then suddenly John Eustace gets sacked out the blue and they've got American owners. I mean, it was pretty yeah. obvious that, that Wayne Rooney was going to step in there. But it's it's odd that you know Birmingham fans, again, they go back to, I think it was, I think going back to 2015, 16, when Gary Rowett was doing really well and they swapped him out with Gianfranco Zola and, and it went belly up, it went completely wrong. So it, it's different owners, but it's completely the same type of decision.
0: Yeah, I just don't get this appointment. If I'm, if I'm, brutally honest, I think um, you know it's very easy to get sucked in by the name. Yet yeah, Wayne Rooney, he was a world class footballer, one of the best of his generation, probably one of the best ever players to play for England. But that was as a player, and there's been a, a few players from that generation who've stepped into management. You think of sort of like Frank Lampard, um, Gerard. Um, there'll be somebody else who I, who I can't recall. John Terry's milled about with clubs as assistants. Players from that generation. Ashley Cole. Yeah, Ashley Ash- Cole's in there with them. Yes, who's in there with them. You know, and and these, Gary Neville obviously dipped his toe with um, Valencia, didn't he? And that didn't go well.
1: Yeah, pull, just, pulled it straight out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Phil <laughs> Neville with uh, into Miami, which went tits up. So quite a lot of players from that generation have went into management and really struggled, which is interesting because they all came from... Sort of solid backgrounds, working under really good managers, and I don't know whether it's that the, the the you know people seem to think that if you played for Brian Clough or you played for Alex Ferguson, you're automatically going to be a good manager. But it's been proven to be not to be the case quite a few times. And with Rooney, I guess the jury's out still, isn't it? I think he was at Derby when they were in shit state, really, and he actually did a half decent job there with with what he had at his disposal, and then. They were relegated, obviously, eventually, but he he moved on to America where he's done nothing really, and I think it's hard to hard to do well in the MLS just because of the structure there, and you know you kind of just bring in a raft of players, which I'm sure you would have loved to have done, but I don't know about you, but even when Rooney was like a captain as a player, I never ever felt like he was the type of character who could lead, maybe in terms of his play on the pitch, but he's quite a he's quite a meek, quiet person. He's not like an intelligent lad as he. He's not a deep thinker or somebody you think could engage you in conversation for very long. He's not that type of person. <laughs> I mean, I know there's, you know, people are stereotyping him as being a bit thick and all that. And maybe he's not, I don't know. But I just don't get him as the type of person who would like grab a squad by the scruff of the neck, get them all fighting for each other, screaming at them in the dressing room. I could be totally wrong about Rooney, but I just, he doesn't strike me as the manager type. I don't know how he sort of fell into this, this to be honest. I thought he would just be the type of bloke who would, with all the money he's got in the bank, just sort of sod off into the background and live his life, <laughs> and you know what, shag loads of grannies and do whatever he wants to do, you know. Um, but you know, he's 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 in football management, and I just don't get it. Because I mean, as, as fantastic as he was as a player, nobody can tell me he's he's like a manager type. I, I just don't get it. I think he'll, I think you'll see this sort of this will fall apart very quickly at Birmingham. I think.
1: There was surely a few uh, movie roles out there for him. To be fair, weren't they? To, to, to... Are
0: they bringing back Planet of the Apes? Maybe. maybe could be, <laughs> you know.
1: Well, to be fair though, I mean, I, I probably thought something similar, but I actually thought he did a decent job at Derby when he stepped in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did, and and I think, given the the circumstances, actually, it can be. I, I, we've seen that a few times over the years, where like. Everything's going tits up off the pitch, but it actually galvanizes the club. Everyone works mm. together more closely and everybody sort of buys into what they're trying to do. It's like, yeah, it's all going to shit off the pitch, but we're we're together and stuff. And I I sort of wonder how much of that was at play at Derby rather than it being about Wayne Rooney. Um yeah. I mean, look at them now, obviously they're in they're in League One under a different manager, but I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. It's like saying, you know. Like Gerard won the league, didn't he, with, with Rangers and then done nothing with Villa and then mm. sort of moved on to bloody Saudi Arabia. It's like, you know, it, it just depends on the circumstances. Sometimes it's just a. A good situation to walk into, even if it doesn't appear so on the outside. And it might be that. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, John Eustace was sacked uh, 6th of October. I think he was sacked a few days after that game um, when they beat West Brom. So that put them in sixth going into that international window. So they had a couple of weeks um, to, to kind of play with what we're going to do next. And then Wayne Rooney was appointed and his first game was October the 21st, which was Middlesbrough away. Um, they got beat one 0 there. Then they went they uh Hull City at home. Um, they got beat two 0 against Hull. And then and
0: were booed off, by the way. And were booed, and I don't were know booed if you, off. Yeah, I mean, jet yep. off the pitch because of, I mean, as a manager ever had had that happen in his first ever home game, <laughs> booed off the pitch. It it just shows you the, yep. the state of it, doesn't it?
1: And yeah, and then um away to Southampton, which mm. to be fair, they, they're starting to get their house in order. Uh, they lost three one there. And I looked at the stats for that. They had 29% possession. But I know Southampton can do that to teams. Yeah, I was going to say. And the yeah. last time out, um, last weekend, was the the kind of where the green shoots seemed to be popping through. Um, went 2-0 at home to, to high-flying Ipswich, um, which it really annoys us that Ipswich are doing uh, so well. But that, that's a different story. <laughs> They went 2-0 up against Ipswich and it was two late goals Um, that mm-hmm. Ipswich got made a few substitutions with about 15-20 minutes to go, changed the game. And they ended up drawing that game and only taking a point when they were, like I said, 2-0 up with about 15 minutes left. And I, I noticed again in that team, and I know I know Ipswich are playing well, but they only had 33% possession in that game. And I only say this because I know we're talking about Wayne Rooney and it, it, you just... I don't know why. I don't know. There's nothing really to base it on. But when the likes of him and Ashley Cole go into a team like Birmingham, you almost expect them to, to put their stamp on it and say, right, well, we're going to play possession-based football. And you almost expect them to have more possession because yeah. they, they, they're kind of doing that. But I was looking at the stats and in his four games so far, um, and I know they've played possession-based sides, like especially Hull and Southampton. They're, they're the two that stick out who play that sort of way. But over the four games, they've had 37% possession. And I was looking at John Eustace's last four games and he had an average of 49%. Mm. So they've had had like 12% less possession than they had before Rooney came in. So it doesn't seem like he's put any sort of stamp on it in terms of keeping the ball style of play or anything like that. But, you know, just on the face of it, four games, one point out of 12. I mean, and the Birmingham fans didn't like the change to begin with. It doesn't reek give a successful change of manager, does it?
0: No, I mean, the, the thing is, I guess, is they were doing pretty well before he came in. So logically, you know, it was a bit like this when Alex Neil walked out and, um, and Mowbray came in. He didn't really want to change an awful lot because it was actually working, what the last manager was doing. Maybe they've maybe they've looked at it from that perspective, but they're, they're, their attack's got a lot of pace in it. You've got Koji Mayoshi, Oliver Burke, Junior Bacunya. Jay Stansfield, who obviously is a player we tracked over the summer and is is flying for them. He got another goal at the weekend. But there's a lot of pace and movement in that front four and maybe it's just a case of surrendering possession to try and break against teams. And I imagine that's how they're going to play against us as well because, you know, we're going to have a lot of the ball. Um, we do leave gaps in behind and, and stuff. I would, And we aren't playing a, a traditional defence as we normally would. We know there's no Ballard, there's no 0-9 for this one.
1: So yeah, We'll come on to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, you know... <laughs> If you if you're Wayne Rooney looking at you thinking right well some they're gonna have lots of the ball there's gonna be a little bit of disruption in there let's try and you know soak up a bit of pressure and counter against them because to be honest I don't really rate Oliver Burke he's been all over the place over the years you know he he burst through as a kid at Nottingham Forest and then got a big money move to Leipzig didn't work out. Ended up at West Brom, where he barely played. He got loaned out all over the place, and he went to Sheffield United. Didn't work out there. Then he went to Verda Bremen, where he's on—you know—he's on loan to Birmingham from now. He was at Millwall last season, so he's never really settled anywhere. But he is like—he's—he's he's, he's a big lad. He's sort of six foot, six foot one, stocky, got a lot of pace, and um, can go either way. So you're expecting them to try and get it up the pitch quickly and play play that way against us. But I don't think if you're Rooney. There's there's a lot of change, is there? I don't know. Maybe maybe now after a bad string of results since he came in, he can, you know, there's there's a couple of opportunities coming up to for, to try and change something. Obviously, with the international break coming up, that's your time, isn't it? Those two weeks to try and do something a bit different. So I'm not mm-hmm. expecting them to be a great deal different in in the game against us than the were against Ipswich, because really, very similar team to us, Ipswich in terms of the way they try to play the football. Um I know they've they play with a more traditional sort of number nine at the top end of the pitch. So perhaps that came into the thinking. But I, I look at Birmingham and I just think they're gonna they're gonna try and use that pace they've got on the break against us. And um you know, if I was Wayne Rooney, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be trying the exact same thing, try and get lads up the up the sides of the pitch where we leave gaps and Encounter and, and it might work, it might not. But at the stadium, of light on that big pitch. I presume that's the way he's going to play.
1: Yeah, I noticed that he's been playing a similar formation to, to kind of what we're playing really four two three one. Uh, you know, like you said, all, all of that beyond kind of uh, Stansfield, who's like you said, got five goals in twelve games. Only twenty year old, he he looks he looks a player, Jay Stansfield, um, from what I've seen of him. Um, mm. And as you said, I was I was looking at Oliver Burke, and he's such a stranger on any. I mean, he's got He's probably uh, I think it was you know, 13 million to Leipzig, 15 million to West Brom. I was amazed to see he's 26. Because for for so many years, he's been this young lad who has been coming through. And then when I actually looked at his age, he's 26. And you're almost, you're looking at his stats, he hardly ever plays a full season. And you're thinking, you know, on loan from Werder Bremen, you know, he's had all these transfer fees. It's like, it's almost this season, someone has to say, you have to start doing something now.
0: Yeah, yeah, just a... a funny career he's had, isn't it? been all over the place. I mean, he's he's not scared to travel. <laughs> like he's like I say, he was he was at Forest, then he was at uh, he's had a couple of loan spells in in there. You know, he, he was at Bradford, Leipzig, went over to Germany, back to England with the with West Brom in the Premier League, and then the Championship, and then Scottish Premiership with Celtic. Back to you know across to La Liga with Alaves, back to England, back to Germany. Just you know, crazy really. But he hasn't settled anywhere. Bit like Patrick Roberts, really, before he turned up with us. If in many ways, if he, very similar career path, sort of had a, mm. a big money move as a kid and ended up at, at Celtic on loan, and then went all over the place, including uh, including Spain before he settled on a on a club. But I, I, I I've watched him loads of times, and I think I think you know he, looks can be deceiving. I think he's a big lad with pace, so maybe that's carried him a long way. Um, yeah. Trust you know trust me saying all this now we'll probably have a blinder at the
1: weekend <laughs> speaking of a, a big lad with pace, uh we, we know him quite well Dion Sanderson at the back and um what we wouldn't do uh for him in red and white this weekend mm. obviously being short at the back but um but yeah it'd be interesting to see see him back back at the stadium alight um maybe one that got away I don't know yeah. I don't know how you feel about it he's,
0: he's the captain isn't he um mm. I, I think there was a time where I was like dead set on signing him because it felt like he would have come back as well, you know. He he was he was great for us, Deion Sanson, to be fair. Like that was at a time when we weren't great to watch under Parkinson. Yeah. And he was a bright spark um, at that point. But I, I sort of look at it now and he's I d I d I dunno. I always thought, oh Dion Sanson will be a Premier League player. But for whatever reason, Wolves weren't weren't settled on him and he's ended up at Birmingham. They played a couple of million quid for him. I think I think they signed him around the, about the time we signed Ballard. And if you compare those two bits of business. Uh, you know, I, I probably would rather have had Dan Ballard than than Dion Sanderson in mm. my team. Uh, I was, it was funny. I was just reading before we came on a tweet because he he was getting a bit of praise on on the Birmingham uh, Twitter page, and replies under it weren't actually that kind, saying he hasn't really turned up until the last couple of games. And mm. yeah, yeah. So I don't know with him. Um, I imagine he's going to play a blinder at the weekend just because us. But well, uh, yeah. I, I would love. I would love the, to be honest. I would. I would say out of all all the players that sort of didn't hang around very long when we were in League One, he's probably the one I wish we did sign actually, because he even in this team now you can see him where he would fit in, wouldn't you? You know, right right footed, but can can play sort of right back or centre half, can play in a back three or a back two, can play out. He got loads of pace. He's good in the air, and I, I don't. To be honest though, I haven't really seen him in the last few years, um, but I presume he's got better. or He wouldn't be captain in Birmingham, so. Yeah, nice to see him
1: back, though. No, well, uh, cheers for that, man. Good, good to know he's coming into form. You know, <laughs> just as uh, just as we're about to play them, but yeah, it'll be be interesting to see uh, to see him at the stadium light again, right? And and get into the good stuff in terms of uh, Birmingham. I've been I've been looking forward to going through this because um, it, it's all positive. That um, looking at Birmingham's away form, um, played seven this season, and they've taken four points away from home. Um, in those seven games, and they've lost the last five successive uh, games away from home. Um, it's the fourth worst away record in the division. Only Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday have conceded more goals away from home. Uh, in the last five, they've conceded ten and only scored two goals in the last five on their travels. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <sighs> I, I, we're not. Are we going to be talking about another one of them? <laughs> it, it it only happens to Sunderland, you know, if everyone waits for, you know, everyone had a bad run, waits to play Sunderland or, Aye. you know, should, should we just be swatting these aside with, with form like that? And I was going to say, because obviously it overlaps with Wayne Rooney, because he's, he's only had two of them. And to be fair, they were at Borough and Southampton, which aren't easy away games.
0: No. Um, the other stat you didn't read, by the way, Tony Mowbray has won his last six league games against Birmingham, which is another nice. one to add in.
1: Well, I think that there's another one that um, we're unbeaten against Birmingham in the last six in all competitions at the, oh. at the Stadium of Light. And we, we have to go back to, I don't know if you've already looked it up, but we have to go back to 2006 Um, since since Birmingham last won. And I don't know if you, one don't nil. Know you've already looked on it. it you know who was in the dugouts, which was just completely yeah. bizarre when you look at it. Steve Bruce. Now Quinn for us and Steve Bruce for them. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre looking back. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, so everything's pointing to to we should win it. But again, you know, like I said, with Wayne Rooney coming in and overlapping between two managers that are away run, you know, how much how easy is it for them to almost kind of reset this and say, well, okay, yes, on paper it's like that, but actually Wayne Rooney's only had two away games, so we can kind of almost reset and start again.
0: You've got to try and almost cat- catapult yourself into their camp and their mindset, really, when you think about it, you know, the come off such a high from Eustace doing quite well to sacking him, bringing this guy in. He hasn't won a game yet. They're going to be very tense, I think. Um, I, I feel almost a bit like that Chef Wedaway game where I think we've just got to really drive the nail in very early in the game um, because they're going to be tense. And, the, you know, we've seen it so many times at the stadium. Like The, the longer it goes on, um, the longer the game goes on and we don't get a goal they grow in confidence and there's, there is a blueprint for how to play at the stadium. Like everybody knows what it is, you know, sit deep, try and take advantage of us on set pieces. You might win one 0 you might win two one. There's a blueprint for how to play. And that's exactly how I expect them to come and play against us with the added caveat that they've got pace up front, which a lot of teams who do that don't have, you know, they've, they've got some, uh, some really good players in terms of attacking players, but, um, I'm expecting us to to really get at them early. I think Mowbray will be trying to extract some positivity from that Swansea game, but I bet the point which has been driven home all week is that we've got to be better in front of goal. I sh- I'm sure as hell that's been the, the sort of the, the the theme of the conversation, not just amongst the management to the players, but the players too. They must have come away from that game and felt really disappointed, but knowing the the character they've got also a sense of responsibility and that right. We put it right on Saturday when we get chances, we score goals. And, um, I, I just hope that the attitude's good. Cause if it is, we'll beat Birmingham. I've got no doubt about that. Yeah. I, I actually look at their team and I rate them. I think they've got some for the championship. They've got a decent team, actually Birmingham. Um, And we can't forget that. You know, it's not a gimme that we're going to win this game. But anything less than a win would be really, really disappointing for me because of the... I know I mentioned it to you when we were doing the the review show the other day. But, you know, it's one win in five. We've got an international break coming up after this. You know, a win would set us up nicely just for what follows it. Um, But it's all down to how Sunderland players me, and you say very often. It's all about us. I'm not bothered about Birmingham really, ultimately. I'm, I'm more bothered about... Whether we turn up with our shooting boots on and whether we fancy it, ultimately, and I'm sure we will. You know, Birmingham, are, Birmingham are going to come and try and sneak something, but the tension's got to be there, hasn't it? With with Rooney, you know, he's desperate to get that first win, just to get the get the fans and the media off his back. I would I would suggest because you know people are taking the piss out of Birmingham for what they've done, and okay. that that does weigh heavy on everybody around the club. I'm sure because they went from being in a very safe situation to just chucking that out the window. Gambling on Wayne Rooney, and now he's got to prove why they did it. And with every game he doesn't win, it gets more and more tense. And that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting them to turn up and just be completely devoid of confidence. And if we allow them to become confident in the game, that's where they'll be dangerous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, getting into getting into Sunderland. I mean, you, you made a good point there about about almost responding from the Swansea game. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about this earlier because there's two ways of looking at it and I was going to ask you about it and you kind of touched on it a little bit. There's one side of me that thinks that Mowbray might have laid into them a little bit and said, you've got a point to prove, you need to pick it up. Or there's the other camp that says that we were kind of almost there. We just needed, you know, that if we're creating creating those little chances, if we're getting in the right positions, then eventually it'll come. So Mm -hmm. do you think it's going to be you've got a point to prove or keep doing the same things and that'll, it'll eventually happen.
0: I do, well, I, again, I said this the other day, I think it's the first time in his post-match comments I've sensed a, a change of tone in that he seemed to be pushing the responsibility to the forwards, didn't he? And that, you know, n- not really coming out and making too many excuses for them, that they need to start scoring goals. And um, I would like to think that somebody's going to, Take up that responsibility a striker has to score at some point and <laughs> I felt a bit sorry for Rusin um coming off when he did but Mobra explained it he said you know there was a there was a feeling the ref might you know even things up if he gets the chance to so we brought Rusin off to avoid him really getting sent off because uh, he'd been booked for that stupid yellow he got for for blocking the quick free kick and he'll learn from that. Maybe he didn't realise that the rules have changed. You know, he's barely played this year, so you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be surprised. But I would stick by him. I think Rusin's. Um, in a couple of games, I've seen him. He looks he looks good. He looks like he's going to get in. The main thing for me is he's going to get in positions where he scores goals, or at least gets the chance to score goals. He made some really good runs at Swansea, and um, I think I think if you persist with him, things will, will come good. So I would say that it's a little bit of the you know more of the same. Let's sort of keep up what we've done. Largely for the last two years, but remember how shit it felt coming away from Swansea, having not scored a goal, and use that as a as a motivation to to get that monkey off our backs, essentially, and, and you know get get the get the early goal because that's the main thing. Get a, get an early goal in this game, and we kill them off because they they're just not they, they haven't got the confidence that a team who'd maybe picked up a couple of wins and a couple of draws in the last few games would have. They haven't won for a little while. They've took a knock to their confidence. There's a lot of tension around having to win the game. We've got to we've got to use that to our advantage. Really, that's the main thing.
1: You know, you've talked about sticking with Rusin up top, and you know, and I don't disagree with you there. But do you think, you know, based on the the changes he has to make at the back, do you think Mowbray is going to be potentially looking at a change of system because there's been a lot of chatter about going three at the back, going with wing backs. Would that impact? Russon up top. I mean, would he in? Would he even consider going three at the back and maybe then going two up top and and partnering Rousen with I don't know Hermia Burst or whoever. I mean, do you think? Do you think the the two suspensions in central defence is an opportunity to to experiment a little bit with a system, or would you just go like for like? We've got a system. We've got a way of playing. Let's just put two centre halves in
0: there. I, I would go like for like, but I don't think that's what he's going to do. And I I understand if people are a sort of uh, not not too sure on on playing both Triantis and Sealed, but we signed them for a reason. You know, Triantis is yes, he's he's a young lad and he's you know fairly inexperienced, but he's just won a league title in Australia, so he's played men's football. He he's he's at least got that sort of track record of playing. Sealed played a little bit more than he has in the first team. But you look at the height he's got, and we're going to lose Ballard and Onine's ability on set pieces, so we're going to need him in there. Uh, I worry, and you know, I worry he's going to play Hume with Sealed, just because it gets him a few more familiar faces into the defence. But uh, then, then that means we're very vulnerable on set pieces, and I know I talk about them having pace up front, but you know they might look at it and think their best two headers of the ball aren't playing. They might play Lucas Ukovic up front, who's a wily old centre forward who always plays well against Sunderland, um just to take advantage of the fact we're not going to have those players in the box. And to me, as good as you know, Hume Hume is. I, I think he can play centre half, but he's you know you don't think of him for his heading ability. Um, and I just think for continuity sake, put people in the positions that they, that they know how to play. You know, I like Huggins, but I think I think for this game I would bring him out. Um, just because of the you know the fact that we need to try and keep some balance. So I would go with cirkin at left back, and sealed through the middle with Hume at right back. Um and I know that's probably a little bit harsh on Huggins because he's played actually quite well, you know, this season's I've got no, no real real fault to pick with him, but we need to try and achieve some balance. You know, we know cirkin's decent in the air, so I'll bring him in for that reason. And then the rest of the team would sort of flow from there. You know, the same two centre midfielders, the same attack, and then Roosan up front. Uh, but I think what Mowbray will do is go with the back three, which is the system we sort of finished the game off with. I think he'll go with um, sort of a back three of Hume, Sealt and Sirkin, which I just don't like the idea of, but I feel like that's what he's going to do, um, with Huggins and, and possibly Clark playing as the wing-backs again.
1: Yeah, And I can see Clark's that ha- wing back.
0: Yeah, I, I I just think that's what he's going to do, um, and he might I may be totally wrong, uh, but I I just feel like that's what he'll possibly do with certain covering up most of the duties on the left hand side. To be fair, that that you know the defensive side of the game, but still, it does restrict Jack Clark when you ask him to do anything other than what he's good at. Um, so fingers crossed, he does what I said, and he and he plays the back the two the two lads at the back. But you know, I can understand if he doesn't as well because it is a big call to put two young kids in for the for the full, full debuts in the league together. You know, ordinarily you'd be thinking, right, if Triantis played, it would be alongside 0-9 or Ballard. But we, we have no choice in the matter. And I think, you know, seal costs a lot of money. Triantis has been brought in because we really rate them. You're not going to get a better chance to start them than now. And the other thing, the other thing I would like to say is, you know, with Triantis, we've given them a lot of football in the 21s to prepare them for this. You know, that's what they keep saying. We, if they're not in, this, in the first-team squad, they play for the 21s to, to get the minutes in the legs to make sure they're ready. Durant has played a lot of football for the 21s, and you'd like to think he's going to be um, fit and available for this one. If he's been training well, why not? Go with it. But I, I, I couldn't put my finger on what I think Mowbray's going to actually do. I'm I'm a bit torn on that.
1: Do you think, do you think he'll actually consider going two up top? Because especially because everybody's talking about the goals, everybody's talking about all of our strikers not, not getting on the score sheet yet. And maybe maybe the solution is to try and go with a partnership.
0: Maybe, but I don't see him doing it. I think it'll be, he'd probably just chuck another t- number 10 in behind the striker, so it'll be Pritchard or Dak.
1: Right. just
0: come in and, you know, he, he seems to like them in there, doesn't he? You know, we said this after Swansea, because we were arguing, oh, I would have I liked to see Noshish and I would have liked to see certain come on and, but he didn't. Dax, his old, reliable, trusty dog who goes everywhere with him and you know <laughs> he he knows he's he knows that when uh, he sends him to Fetchy Slippers, he's gonna bring them back. <laughs> Pritchard, much the same actually, you know, he loves Pritchard, doesn't he? And uh, after the start of the season where it it seemed like he might leave, he wasn't in the team, he's been brought back in and he's he's done okay here and there, but I think he's more likely to do that because we're losing a bit of leadership and experience with that defensive partnership going out the window. You wouldn't be surprised for especially Pritchard because Pritchard's a talker. Pritchard organises. Um, I would. I I think we're more likely to see him come in. But if it's seriously if it's me, I just think you've brought these lads in for a reason. If they can't get a game now, then when are they going to really get a, a proper chance to to stake a claim and get a game? We saw it with Hume last year. Hume, we we had no right backs. Gooch was injured and and all the other issues we had. And Hume came in and he solidified his position. And to me, it's a great chance for these lads to come in and show why they're here. We've seen it repeatedly over the last couple of years under this sort of leadership, under this regime, that when players eventually get the chance, they take it. So it might be the making of them both. What what I'd love to see is them to come in, play absolutely out of their skin and show us exactly why they're here. And then Mowbray's then got a decision to make the week after when he's like, bloody hell, I've I've got to try and drop these two lads for Ballard and 09. That's what you want. But they're never going to get that chance if you don't give them it. So, you know, just do it. Just do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, from my point of view, you've you've brought in two young central defenders and you bring them in because your first choice central defenders are going to get injured, they're going to get suspended. And then when it happens, if you don't play them, it's almost you're admitting, ah, they're not good enough.
0: Yeah.
1: Or they're bit, not they ready not. Someone, ready someone
0: mentioned with Joe Anderson last year, when we had no fit centre-halves, and Gooch played ahead of him at the back. And it yeah. sort of told you what they thought of him. It was like, yeah, he, yeah, you know, he's never going to be ready.
1: And that's it. I mean, we're, the, the lads, you know, they've been here, what? It's November, what, three, four months? Maybe a bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, and then the opportunities there. That And the thing is, the mindset's different. You, you know, people are talking about their performances in the under-21s. Yes, don't disagree. If they struggled there, you know, there might be a slight chance they're going to struggle. But the thing is that and, and it, you know the argument is they should be ready for every game when they play football blah 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 but there just is a different feeling between playing under 21s and playing for a first team in front of you know 38 40 000 people at the stadium alight in a lunchtime kickoff live on sky i mean you know you just they're going to be more up for it you'd like to think they'd be more focused for that than than an under 21 game but like i said i mean i i've Talk to you and I'm going to, you know, talk about the preview for the for the game at the weekend that, that I'm going to knock up for, for the website. I, you know, you know, look at parallels between the first season at the stadium, like when Jody Craddock mm-hmm. and Darren Williams were were chucked in. Jody Craddock was signed, young lad from Cambridge United. He played quite a lot of games for Cambridge, but still, it was in the lower leagues. Darren Williams was signed the previous season for fifty thousand as a central midfielder from York City. Neither were kind of you know, central defenders, what you call them, they came in and I, th- I think we lost kind of two or three in the next 38, 40 games or something like that because they took the opportunity. But like I said, for, for me, it's the psychology of the thing. You're almost, if you don't play them, you're almost, it's a signal to them and to the fans that either A, they're not good enough or B, you don't think that they're ready for first team football, which is a massive signal to send out um to those players because you basically shout it from the rooftops. The other thing with the... Playing going to three at the back is, I, I just think that's why I was kind of starting to whinge about Clark as wing back earlier on. He's played so well this season. I mean, what I want to see, especially at home, and again, I I might be a bit old fashioned about it, but we've got two cracking wingers, and I I want to see the I want to see the fullbacks run past them. Yeah, yeah. And we'll lose that playing three at the back. We'll we'll lose mm-hmm. that, and I, I just think at home that would give us such a, an extra. Kind of dimension down the side because Clark and Roberts can go either way, and if you've got if you've got a a, a fullback taking a player away from them, it just it just opens the pitch up. I mean, you you go back to uh, you know Alan Johnson and all that sort of stuff where Mickey Gray ran down the line because Mickey Gray's runs made Alan Johnson what he was in some ways.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and uh, we've been calling for it for a while. I don't know if we're going to get it in this game just because of. Uh... Just because of the fact that we're going to be a little bit more guarded with how much protection we've got at the back, if we we've got to bring in one of those two centre halves, that are going to start this game. I feel like it's going to be sealed because he's been exposed to the first team a little bit more. Um, but that then, you know, we start throwing a little bit of um, of reliance to uh, Sirkin and Hume and asking them perhaps to like, right, you you need to make sure everything's kept tight at the back, keep them two right. Um, so it's it's really tough because I w- what what my ideal is is you know one second's back fit is we play exactly like you've just said, where yes we have a hold midfield player but he sort of sits in with the defense when we haven't got the ball, the fullbacks bomb on the, the other central midfield players in the number ten, they 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 play around the wingers and the fullbacks get beyond and get crosses in the box and that's where we'll get goals from we'll score goals you know Rusin will get ten fifteen goals if he's if he's playing with. Um, with wide players who actually get crosses into the box. Uh, but I actually thought as well, just to go back to Swansea a little bit, I thought we did that a lot better and it was irritating that we didn't capitalise on it because the you know Clark and Roberts were cutting the ball back more than I've ever seen them. And even Mowbray commented on it after the game um, about the fact that they were cutting it back constantly and getting balls across and just nobody was getting on the end of it. But if you persist with it, it'll come. So I, I'm... I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of I'm not really sure because really it's it's all dependent on who he picks at the back. And I just feel like if we go with a back three, I, I can't remember last time we looked good with a back three. Like I saw us play it I mean, I felt like this in preseason, which sounds daft, but we we played a back three quite a lot in preseason when we didn't have a striker. So him would play a one game and then the other game we would sort of go without a forward. Play with a back three with wing backs, and I just I never enjoyed watching it. I went to Hartlepool in pre-season where we got battered playing basically our B team, but still first team players um, with a back three. And then I've seen us do it a couple of times in games where we've tweaked during the game. Saturday Gone was an example where we got 55 minutes in and we went, right, we're going with a back three. We're going with wing backs and all. And I don't know. I just don't feel like it works for us. Maybe it will in time, but if he goes with a back three at the weekend... I'm just gonna groan and dread the game. And I don't I, I just think it's there's no need to change the shape because you've lost two centre halves. Just put two centre halves in. Let the rest of the team do what it's good at and we'll be fine. It's a home game as well, let's not forget. And as you mentioned before, Birmingham don't like to have the ball. So more more than likely the, the, the two centre halves aren't gonna have a lot to do into, unless we we give away corners and free kicks, which is a perfect time to bring them in.
1: Yeah. I was just about to say exactly the same thing. If you if you know if you don't if you're not bringing them in in a home game where you're going to have most of possession, most of the territory, um, you're not going to be that. You're not going to be under pressure. You're not going to be kind of defending for long periods. It's a strange time not to bring them in if you've got mm-hmm. the opportunity, but uh, but we'll see what happens. So, um, you know, we've gone through, <laughs> we've gone through how bad Burn have been, uh, recently away from home. Uh, lost the f- last five successive games, conceded ten in the last five, scored twice, so. Part of me thinks we're going to go to town like we did with Southampton and um, another part just worries the longer it, it, it stays nil-nil that we'll get more anxious because we're we're struggling to score.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's at the back of my mind. Just, you know, like I said, because they're so tense and they needed that win, the earlier we hurt them, the better because it could capitulate. You know, we get an early goal, it could be 2-0 by half-time and then you might get another one in the second half. Um, but the other side of it is, is that, Teams do get more confident when they come coming and We can't break them down. And then by the end of the game, you're like, bloody hell, they're going to score from a corner or whatever. So um, I, I, to be honest, I say us winning it, but I think it's going to be hard. Um, I just feel like their last couple of results, whilst on the face of it looked disappointing, they do look like they've improved a little bit. And I know Wayne Rooney said that. Wayne Rooney said that he feels like the performances are decent the just results on following it. We were in that position at the start of the season where we felt like we were playing well, but we weren't getting the results. And eventually it's going to click one day for them and they will beat somebody. I'm sure, you know, they might have a bad season, but they're going to win eventually somewhere. And so often over the last couple of years, teams out of form who you just expect to win come to us and we can't we can't break them down for whatever reason. They just turn up and decide that they want to have a blinder. Um. So yeah, I'm not as confident about this one, even though I've spoke quite confidently throughout this pod. <laughs> I'm just having stewed on it a little bit, I don't know. I'm not sure about this one. I think we're gonna win, but I think it's gonna be a tough game. I reckon it might be a one-nil or a two-one, like a tight game that we just sneak with maybe a late goal. Um and I'll be happy with that because it means we've won a game. But I don't think we're gonna be sat there for 90 minutes in cruise control like we were against Southampton. I think it's gonna be a I think they're actually gonna turn up knowing how to play against us and they're gonna make it horrible at times. And I, I talk about a pace they've got up in the up front in attack. I, I sort of worry that Yukovic plays because he will make it ugly. He's a big, old-fashioned, horrible centre forward who chucks <laughs> his elbows about, wins loads of headers, holds it up well, is is a danger from corners. And if I'm Wayne Rooney, I'm bringing him in, and I'm and I'm taking advantage of the fact we've got the two best headers of the ball missing, and making the game ugly. So. A lot of it depends on us, as always. But I, I just sort of wonder how he picks his team and if he approaches it in the way I'm expecting. How that impacts on the result, but yeah, I'm going with a you know, go one nil Sunderland because we have, we have struggled to find the find the net in recent games more often than not. So yeah, one nil to us.
1: Bloody hell. I'm I'm genuinely staggered that, uh, <laughs> that you've come out with that. You're normally kind of really positive, and what scares us is these are the ones that normally go wrong when you know you're not feeling it and I get confident because uh, I I think we'll get an early goal and I think it'll be a fairly comfortable you know Southampton beat them 3-1 I, I think we can yeah, you know, I think it's 3-0 something like that at the weekend mm-hmm. but yeah that's worrying us because I I'm I'm never that positive and it's normally you the the tables <laughs> have turned and that's that's really thrown us off bit of reverse
0: uh, psychology let's like... see if it works there. Eh?
1: Yeah, but no, I I think it's going to be comfortable. I think uh, we're going to get that early goal, and actually, majority of the time we've been, we actually seem to enjoy playing in front of the cameras. But for once, we're going through a period of uh, not being too bad on Sky. We seem to turn it on. Um, although you know we we, we seem to be on Sky most weeks, but um, but yeah, I I just think we're going to. I think we're going to have a point to prove. I think um. Yeah, Tony Mowbray is going to have have them up for it. I think they're going to be focused on getting that early goal because that that's everything for us at home. Um, you just need to look at the Southampton one, and uh, yeah, I just uh, just think it, it could be comfortable. Fingers uh, crossed. Gl- crossed. I'm glad I went second. Um, and keep it positive. <laughs> um, so so we can we can probably end it there, mate. So uh, thanks again. Cheers, mate. Yep, and good. um. Just a quick plug once again for our book, which is out there, uh, SAFC 365. You can buy it on the Love Supreme website. All the links are on all of our pieces on our website, and report.com' But from us, it's bye for now. See ya. DJ fucking bad boy. Friday fucking night, lads.